Welcome. Welcome to the Poetry on Firefall Talk Radio. I'm Richard Grunt. This is where we get back to basics. If that's what you're here for, you're in the right place. The red letter basics of the Lord. Boy, do we really need that now. We've heard enough of what man thinks. We need to know what the Lord thinks. We need to follow the example of the Book of Acts Church, which had no distractions with other teachings, and they just went by what the Lord told them, and then they passed it on and discipled each other accordingly. So I believe if we can get back to basics, those basics, Book of Acts basics, we can turn things around and regain the world-shaking influence that the early church had. That's what the goal of the porch has always been, dating back all the way back to January of 2000 when the, the porch was created, but even more so back to our family room in Tallahassee, Florida with the home church we had. So this has been a process. We are in process day by day from glory to glory. We believe the church age is still in effect. The day of Pentecost is ongoing. The fire of the upper room still burns. If that's what you want, ask for it, claim it, receive it. If you have any questions, go to firefalltalkradio.com, use the contact button, or you can write us directly at the porch, one word, the porch, lowercase, at firefalltalkradio.com. If you'd like to support what we do, if you believe it's worthwhile to do so, we appreciate that. It's been a real struggle lately, but we will endure. Go to firefalltalkradio.com. There are ways to do that at the bottom of the homepage. Just pray about it and do as the Lord leads. We appreciate the support and encouragement of everyone who does. And welcome to all of our listeners from the various streaming platforms out there. Rosh Hashanah coming this Monday evening at sundown, September 6th, sundown, and sundown Wednesday, September 8th. I don't know what's going to happen, but the Lord has been pointing me towards Monday, September 6th for about a week now. So I'm believing that there's a blessing coming. I'm believing for a breakthrough on that day. We start out with praise reports and prayer requests. So first of all, I have to praise Him for my salvation. Almost 33 years in October, next month, October 9th, it'll be 33 years pretty amazing journey that this has been. So I praise him for that. And in doing so, he gave me back the family I discarded, my wife and my sons. And out of that came two daughter-in-laws and a grandchild, my grandson, my mini-me. And a lot of furry kids along the way, plus the two that we have now. The home that I'm in and whatever home he gives us next and wherever we go, I am thankful all of that came because I surrendered my life to him. So I praise him for that. Praise him for the provision and the protection that he gives each and every one to, one of us. almost got emotional there. It just kind of swelled up in my spirit how much I love him, how much he's done for me, and how much I trust him. Praise him for the dreams and the visions. Joel 2.28, we're living them out. I hope you're paying attention. This isn't a joke. This isn't, hey, I'm trying to manipulate you or exaggerate. We are living out prophecy each and every day. There's a meme out there of a woman looking out the window going, 
What chapter of Revelation are we doing today? It really feels like that at times. I praise him for his healing virtues that are available to each and every one of us. I know some of you are struggling, very very difficult struggles in their body. I know I'm going through my own. I have been now for about eight, nine months. It'll be nine months now. But I'm believing that whether he leads me to the right doctor that helps me, or the right natural source, or whether he just speaks it from the throne room, I am believing for healing. Can't serve him if we're sick. We can't fulfill the calling if the world, the flesh, and the enemies got us down. So right now, in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus, the Messiah, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, I say to your body, to your DNA, to your cellular structure, go back to your divine design. Do as you were created to do. Repair yourself. Manifest the glory of the Lord in that body. In Jesus' name. I praise him for favor and revelation and all the... There's been a lot of that dreams and... um, him just speaking things outright, dropping them into my spirit. And I've been pretty good about remembering them. It's pretty dramatic when all of a sudden, like he's standing right behind you, he says something into your ear. I'm praising him that we are new creations. Why would I want to be the old me? We're new creations and living in his prophetic times. I'm praising him for the signs that he's giving us to get ready. Get the job done, because I'm coming soon. So that makes me want to pray. And boy, have I been doing a lot of praying. A lot. I wake up in the middle of the night. I pray. It's it's, And I'm not saying that to exalt myself or just to make you feel bad because you don't have the freedom I do. It's what I'm called to do. I'm called to intercede. I'm called to tear down strongholds and confront the enemy. Psalm 122, verse 6 says, Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. And I pray for Israel, and I pray for Jerusalem, and I pray for its leadership that I'm not real enamored with, but God allowed it to happen like he did here for a reason, to get our attention. I pray for them. I pray against their enemies. I pray for his children. I pray for his church. I'm praying for America. I'd like to be able to tell you what I'm praying, but I don't feel the release to do so. But I'm praying. Oh, believe me, I'm praying for our leadership. I'm praying for this nation. I'm praying for the land. I'm praying for the people. And I'm praying that we would wake up and rise up and start tearing down strongholds. I'm going to tell you what I'm praying for. It's scriptural. I'm praying that he tear down, root up, and rebuild. There you go. Prayers for the people around the world that are suffering. It seems like every day it's a new place. Louisiana, Afghanistan, Cuba, France, the UK, uh, the Middle East, China. Just every every day it's a new place of torment and persecution. And the enemy, very bold right now. The enemy's been fed a lot of blood, a lot of pain, a lot of anger. If that doesn't make you want to intercede, I don't know what will. Praying for the fatherless and the widows, the persecuted and the martyred, the poor in spirit, the bound and the oppressed, the innocents, and both 
in and out of the womb, both natural, uh, human, and animal, and the victims of injustice. We live in an unjust world. Though he wants justice, I know it's not what he sees. Praying against the slaughter of the innocents, missing and exploited children, victims of sex trafficking. You might say, why? Why do you specifically speak those out? Because I believe they're diabolical, and I believe they trace all the way back to the fallen in Genesis 6. It's how everything began. Praying for our brothers and sisters, both Jew and believer, around the world, being slaughtered and persecuted for their faith. And I'm just going to say it outright, and hopefully it doesn't get me in trouble. The new leadership of Afghanistan is going house to house, door to door. They're checking people's phones. They're trying to find the Christians. And a call went out today for the missionaries that are in Afghanistan because they're being searched for to slaughter them, to execute them in the street. So, Father, right now we come together in the name of Yeshua and we intercede on behalf of our brothers and sisters. We say, hide them. Hide them with your wings. Hide them with your angels. Protect them from the powers of darkness and those that would seek to destroy them and defile them and do what they do. Show yourself mighty, Lord. Reach down from the throne room and deal with this. I'm praying against the things I'm seeing, not just in this country, around the world. The spirit of the Antichrist is bolder and bolder. But as a church, we push back. As spirit-filled believers, we push back. As I mentioned before, divine wholeness, health, and healing. Let's get back to our divine design. Let's change our diet. Let's exercise. Let's take care of this temple. So, let's get rid of everything that hinders us. Natural and supernatural. Praying for protection. That's Psalm 91 covering over each and every one of you, over your families, homes, pets, possession. I'm praying that the fire of the Holy Spirit rise up inside of you, that you become inspired. If you ever see those billows where they would blow the air on the coals of the fire to make it hotter, that's what I'm talking about. Inspired for the Spirit to blow through you, for the wind of the Spirit to blow through you, and for you to burn hotter for Him. For the remnant to wake up, rise up, answer the call to action. I've been praying that more and more for those that would come alongside of us, SRT, to do what we do. We haven't been out there in a while, but it doesn't mean we haven't been warring. It's been a little different, but we will be out there soon. As soon as that blessing comes through that I'm hoping you're praying for, we will become highly mobile. We will tear down the strongholds. We will confront the enemy. We will set the captives free, and we will build the kingdom of God. So join with us in prayer that we prosper in accordance with his word. That the conduits of his blessings would find their ways to us. As I said, it's been a tough time for us financially, and I get it. People are out of work. Things are going tough because of the scam de- pandemic. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. Um, but we persevere. We press on. But join with us. Larry and I pray every day. Larry's fellow member of SRT. Some of you know him. You've met him along the way. Every day we pray. We intercede. We speak to things not as they are, but as they should be, in accordance with his word and with the dreams and the visions and the confirmed prophecies that he's been given to us.
join with us in prayer for the breakthrough, for the flow to come so that we can go. And I pray for lost family members. What's the point of spending eternity without them? So right now, I'm going to stop and pray for them. You say their name as I pray. Lord, we just come to you right now on behalf of claiming them into the kingdom. Whether through dreams or visions, angelic visitations, or you yourself knock on their door. We claim them out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. We claim them saved, healed, and delivered. Names written in the Lamb's book of life that they would spend eternity with you in paradise. In Jesus' name. Um, I have a prayer request that I'm offering up for um, my wife and I continue to pray for our son Chris out in Los Angeles. Plus, I have a friend Jane in Los Angeles. I've known her now for 21 years. Original listener and supporter and um, part of the porch community. I've mentioned her before. She's going through some very serious health issues right now. So I'm asking for somebody, maybe a couple of somebodies, to commit for some serious intercessory prayer for Jane in Los Angeles. For God to heal her, do miraculous things inside of her, restore her, because she has a calling. She has a serious calling for the kingdom. And right now, what's going on physically is interfering with that. But I declare and decree in Yeshua's name, wholeness, health, healing, every hindrance gone. And Kim in Fort Mitchell just has an unspoken prayer request. So pray for her. Father, we love you. You are an awesome dad. Yeah, you're God of all creation, but you are Dad. You're Abba. And your children need you right now. They need a touch from you, and they need a word from you. So we just, like little kids, we boldly approach that throne of grace and mercy, crying out, Abba, Father, Papa, God, Daddy. We love you so much. We're so thankful that you loved us enough to send Yeshua, your only begotten Son, to die for us. You said, without blood there is no remission of sins. And then he paid it all, every drop. Willingly. He let them do it. can't imagine the pain in your heart to watch your son suffer like that. As a father and a grandfather, it, it kind of pierces mine. So, Lord, please, please, please accept our love and our appreciation as we cry out to you to touch your children, to heal the broken hearts of those families who lost loved ones recently in Afghanistan, who lose them every day through this fallen world. Reach down and touch them. Send your angel to minister to them. Minister to us right now, Lord. I know it's crazy. We come to you to praise you, but then we ask so much from you, and you've already done so much already. But you sent the Holy Spirit to do that, to walk with us and encourage us and guide us. So thank you. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, 
You are truly awesome. I am amazed by you. How patient and kind and gentle you are. Encourage us. Teach us. Remind us. Walk with us. Now bless this technology, Lord. Clear our minds. We take our thoughts captive. Right now we want to receive, so we open our hearts. We love you and we trust you. In Yeshua's name, and if you agree with me, say, Amen. Lessons are proprietary information, except where noted the information comes from outside sources. The combination of that information, the matter presented, is exclusive, cannot be repeated or used without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. So my apologies for that opening took 17 minutes because I got a little caught up in prayer, but that's just the way it is. I flow with the Spirit. I do whatever he tells me to do when he tells me to do it. So if if there's a problem with that, just look for the part where it says shofar and uh, jump to there if you don't want to be a part of that. But I'm hoping that you want to be a part of a community that does this. Go with me to Galatians 6, verses 7 and 8. I'll read this to you, and then I'll tell you why I want to talk about this. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Let me say that again. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. He will not allow himself to be ridiculed, nor treated with contempt, nor allow his precepts to be scornfully set aside. For whatever a man sows, this and only this is what he will reap. For the one who sows to his flesh, his sinful capacity, his worldliness, his disgraceful impulses, will reap from the flesh the ruin and destruction. But the one reap from the flesh ruin and destruction. But the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. Over the last week or two, I've been hearing this phrase in my head, choices have consequences. And I could apply that to a lot of things. I could apply that to politics. I could apply that to finances. I could apply that to relationships. Uh, There's so many things, but the fact is our Heavenly Father has created a universe in which choices have consequences. And yet we live in a society that promotes just the opposite. Actually, there's a phrase in in the occult, in the world of witchcraft, do as thou will. Meaning whatever you do is good and right, but that's not true. That's a concept from the enemy. Accountability for actions is a lost concept in our society. The whole sowing and reaping, they don't want you to hear about that. The Nelson Study Bible says the principle of sowing and reaping was known to everyone in a largely agricultural society. 
It's a vain attempt to mock God for a Christian to think that if he sows to his flesh, he can escape the harvest of destruction and judgment that comes upon those who participate in sin. Now, I know this is a tough concept for some. Why would a loving God do that? Well, because he is a loving God. A loving father chastises and corrects their children so that they don't keep doing things that will harm them. But that part of Galatians 6 traces back to something Paul said in Galatians 5. Because he lays out what the fruit of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit are. But we're going to talk about the fruit of the flesh here, Galatians five nineteen through 21. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. The law of sowing and reaping is a spiritual principle set in place by the Creator, our Heavenly Father. And don't use the word karma. This is not karma. That is a New Age occult concept. Sowing and reaping, he has placed a plan that whatever you plant is what you get. You plant good things, you get good things. You plant bad things, you get bad things. And he won't be mocked when it comes to this. But there are many who do. They'll tell you, oh, that's not a sin. No such thing as sin. Do as thou will. It's okay. God's grace will cover you. God's grace will forgive you when you repent. Psalm 2, 4 says, He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision. So you cannot mock the justice of God. He is a holy God. He is a righteous God. He's a God who seeks justice. So he's not fooled by spiritual facades. He's not fooled by those that look good, sound good, smell good, say all the right things, carry their Bibles real tight to their bosom. But then when nobody's looking, or they think nobody's looking, they do things that clearly refute the word that they carry. You see, he sees. He knows. All people will harvest the consequences of their actions. Don't be deceived. God's not mocked. For whatever you sow, you will also reap. And that term corruption is actually an agricultural term because it's about produce that's too rotten to harvest. We've noticed lately, and maybe it's got to do with a supply chain issue or whatever, but a place that normally had good produce, good fruit, we're starting to find rotten things in the midst of the good one. And and it's what's really crazy is that there's one rotten piece of fruit, it spreads to the other fruit. You gotta get it out of there. Corruption is destructive. It's corrosive. And it's hurtful. 
Proverbs 22, verse 8. He who sows to iniquity, which is inbred sin, will reap sorrow. I remember before I got saved. I've talked to other people who remember. I've talked to people that are still unsaved. I've I not really met anybody truly happy in their sinful lives. Oh, they can justify it. Why they drink, why they fool around, why they do the things they do. They have excuses for it, but they're not truly happy. Somebody that's really happy is in that situation more than likely demonically possessed. But the normal person who's not, they're not happy. They're reaping sorrow. That person who can't stop themselves and goes and does something against their nature creates a ripple effect that engulfs everybody around them. But God's grace is still amazing. 1 Corinthians 3, starting in verse 10. According to the grace of God which was given to me, and this is Paul speaking, as a wise builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah. Now if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's works will become clear. For the day, and that day is the day of the Lord, will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire. The fire will test each one's works of what sort it is, because it's a holy fire. If anyone's works which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. You know, it's great. Sowing and reaping applies to spiritual blessing. Second Corinthians 9, 6, But he who sows sparingly will, re- will reap sparingly, but he who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. I'm not a big gardener. I should be. It's in my nature. It's in my Italian lineage. My grandfather used to grow his own grapes because he used to make his own wine. But you get the crop that you plant. And the harvest is dependent upon the work you put into that crop. Dependent upon the rain that flows through it. The Lord uses that illustration a lot because he came so that we might have eternal life and have a life of abundance, more abundantly. And that's that life of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit where we develop the capacity to experience the Lord to the fullness of here and now, but also in the life to come. Let me digress here with the point that I was sharing with Larry today. And it ties into this this abundant life. 
Right now in the body, people are caught up in listening to so-called prophets. They're scurrying here and they're scurrying there. What's this person saying? What's that person saying? Not too long ago, I asked the Lord, I said, why are they doing that, Lord? You gave us your Holy Spirit, your spirit that connects us to the throne room. If we need to know something, you can tell us. Now, people can confirm what you've told us through two or three witnesses, but this isn't the Old Testament times. I don't have to go to somebody else to find out what the Lord is thinking. I can find out from the Lord because the indwelling of the Holy Spirit made us all one with him. That's abundant life. John 10.10 says the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and destroy. And we know who the thief is. Hasatan and the fallen. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. And of course, he was referring to the false teachers and preachers and uh, the shepherds that stole from the flock. But we know who they're serving. But if you look at John 10.10 and you take in everything I'm saying to you now, it comes down to this one phrase. He wants the best for you. He wants you to have the life with him, in him, and through him that you dream of. Not the one the world tells you to have. Not the one you've been tricked into thinking you should have. But you want the one that he wants for you. You want Isaac. You want the life of promise. You don't want Ishmael, his permissive will, where you push it hard enough and he lets you have what you want. That's what Abraham and Sarah did. They couldn't wait for the promise, so they manipulated the situation and created Ishmael. I don't know about you, I've had enough Ishmaels in my life. I'm holding on for the promise. The Nelson Study Bible also says that phrase more abundantly. It, the abundant life can be salvation, it can be nourishment, it could be healing. Of course, in this phrase and in the teachings of the Lord, it's about eternal life. With, with the Father. But it's not just about it being endless or, or the time. It's about the quality of life. When, when we walk in and with Messiah, even the life on this earth should be one of a higher quality. No matter what's going on in the world, it should be peaceful. We should know him. We should know his word. We can look at these horrible situations, and yes, we may respond emotionally, but in our spirit, we know that he's in control. Somebody posted a question on Instagram today. They didn't understand why certain things were happening and why nothing had been done about it. And my response was, because the Lord has allowed it. That's what he tells me when I ask him. I say, Lord, are you going to do anything about this? And the other day he said, no. I'm giving people what they've chosen. And we could say, well, wait a second. I didn't choose that. That wasn't my choice. But as brothers and sisters, as part of his body, and 
this thing called collective blessing and collective guilt. We talked about that a lot with the children of Israel and the promised land. But I can have peace in the midst of that craziness. I can have peace in the middle of the raging storm because I know him and I trust him and I choose to believe in him. I choose to believe that he has prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies, that he will anoint my head with oil, and my cup runs over, Psalm 23, verse 5. That's the shepherd taking the oil and rubbing it into the ears of the sheep, rubbing it into those wounds and the places where they got caught on the briars because they went where they weren't supposed to. But the one thing we definitely don't want is a rotten harvest. We don't want corruption. We don't want a garden filled with weeds. Oh my goodness. When we first moved here to Orlando, I, I tried the gardening thing. I play, planted the plants and I wanted the colors. I wanted people to drive by and go, ooh and ah, and isn't that pretty? And it was pretty for about a day or two. And then the weeds showed up. It takes effort to get rid of weeds. A weed-filled life is not his best for us. And that's what I've been dwelling on. Yes, weeds. Been dwelling on the fact that we reap what we sow. The choices we make create the garden that we have. I've been contemplating John sixteen thirty three, where the Lord said to the disciples, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. John sixteen thirty three tells us right away, We're not guaranteed earthly happiness. We're not guaranteed prosperity. We're not guaranteed anything in the here and now except his peace and that he's in it with us. We live in a fallen world under the rule of, the rule of Hasatan and the fallen in control of their demonic offspring. And though we battle not with flesh and blood, a lot of the flesh and blood we deal with have got those demonic offspring in them. But I'm going to be of good cheer. Because I know the outcome. I know who wins. I know the one who's in control. The one who sits on the throne. I'm not going to be fooled by the illusion of this world. I'm not going to be fooled by the illusion of prosperity from people that preach it. And teach it. But it's not coming from the Lord. When you get behind the scenes... And the phrase I use is, when you get into the kitchen and you see how the food's cooked, you learn really quickly the truth. Worldly esteem is measured by wealth, social standing, uh, nobility, your, your personal achievements. Social media is based on the number of followers you have. Most people aren't smart enough to realize you can buy followers. You can have thousands upon thousands of followers if you want to pay for them. And did you know in the entertainment industry, when you go in for an audition, they check your social media 
to see how many followers you have. What kind of influence do you have? If we cast this person, we're getting some free advertising. It's all fake. It's not real. This world is not real. The esteem and the favor that comes from this world is not real. He is what's real. He is the one that walks with us. He's the one that talks with us. He's the one that sings with us and wipes our tears. That's real. But even in the idyllic scene of the shepherd and his sheep and everything he said, he reminds us of the danger of the thieves, the presence of death, and the hardships from living in this world. I've told you these things, the Lord says, so that in me you may have perfect peace. In the world you will have tribulation and distress and suffering, but be courageous, be confident, be undaunted, be filled with joy. I have overcome the world. My conquest is accomplished. My victory is abiding. He's saying that from the throne room right now. He's saying that from a, a, a bloody cross that has no one on it, from an empty tomb where there is nobody in it. King of kings, Lord of lords, your savior, your master, your friend, the one who loves you beyond anything you can think or imagine. When he forgave you, he began the abundant life. I remember that day in Tallahassee, clearly, and I've talked about it a lot. I remember kneeling at the altar. I remember crying the way I cried and my brother-in-law, John, praying with me. I remember it because that was the first moment of an abundant life. And having my family given back to me and then being brought into the family business and going through everything I've gone through these last almost 33 years, that's abundant life. And I look forward to the life ahead, eternity with him. We have some living to do in the here and the now. But what I want to get across, everything comes down to a choice. I've had people tell me, I wish he would just do it. Just give it to me, correct me, don't let me make mistakes. Don't. No, free will was about choosing him. Free will was about wanting what he wanted for you. And it's a life and death choice. Adam and Eve proved that. They weren't forced to rebel. They chose to. Eve chose to. Adam chose to listen to his wife. Nobody forced them to do it. Nobody forced David to lust after Bathsheba, sleep with her, get her pregnant, then send her husband off to die. Now, of course, we can mitigate that by saying out of that relationship came Solomon. All things work together for good for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. And he'll make it work out, but David suffered for it. David put the dysfunction 
the phrase dysfunctional family, King David. Do some research on his sons, Absalom, his wives. And that was a man who sought after God with all his heart. He was a man after God's heart. But he made a bad choice. Peter, Peter made a bad choice. When he got in the Lord's face and tried to stop him from going to the cross, and the Lord looked at him and said, Satan has asked to sift you. I'm going to pray for you. And when you return, encourage your brothers. The Lord knew what Peter was going to do. The Lord knew what Peter was going to go through. He didn't stop it. He didn't keep Satan from doing it because Peter made a choice, sowing and reaping. Every day we make choices. But I want to give you confidence that he can and will forgive your actions. He is right and just to forgive you your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. But sadly, you may still have to deal with the consequences of those actions. You plant weeds in your garden, you're going to get weeds. I've had him tell me that directly. That's where that phrase came from. I didn't tell you to plant those weeds in your garden. And when I repented and through my tears, asked him if he would help me clean them up, he said yes. But I still had to deal with them. You'll still have to pluck them up. Because they will grow back if you don't get to the roots. Whatever whatever you're struggling with, whatever your weed is, whatever what's entered your get whatever has entered your garden, you gotta get to the root. Because if you just rip it out or come to somebody and say, Pray over me, take it out, gotta get to the root. Gotta get to the why. Because without getting to the root of the problem, they grow back. Romans 6.22, But now having been set free from sin, and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness, and the end, eternal life. But you know what? Some weeds are blown into your garden. That was the thing that frustrated me after I tilled the dirt and did all the work and got all the roots and found every little piece of a root. All of a sudden, I have a weed again. It it got blown in. And then I waited too long to deal with them, and now guess what? I've got a problem. Sometimes things just blow into your life. Deal with them. Because they're a detriment. They're dangerous. A thought that comes in that you don't stop. Uh, A hurt or a slight that you don't deal with. And more often than not, you'll find out when you do, they weren't true. The enemy got a voice into your head. Got you to think something. Bring everything out into the light. Find them. Deal with them. When you're done listening to this, sit down with the Holy Spirit. Say, show me these weeds Richard is talking about. Show me my garden. Show me how to tend to my garden. Well, tending to the garden, folks, starts with the Word. Starts with the water of the Word. Starts with going to Him, saying, tear down, root up everything that's not of you and rebuild me the way you want me to be. 
Outside influence are just as dangerous as eternal ones. Corrupt company corrupts you. I've shared this before. My mother had a saying used to really annoy me. Show me your friends and I'll tell you who you are. She told me that one time about a friend that I'd had. Did not want to hear it. Years later, I could look back and realize she was telling me the truth. She could see what I didn't want to see. But if we ignore things, slights, emotions, misunderstandings, if we ignore things before it's too late, they will destroy our garden. And like I said, sometimes the Lord will let you spend some time in that garden. Let you see. But he loves you. There's no condemnation. His love that he demands. His love demands that he helps you through your bad choices. The problem is is when we don't submit to the lesson that things get worse. You know, there's a popular saying, the Lord loves you just as you are. And I always add to that, yeah, but he loves you too much to let you stay that way. See, he's the light. In him, there's no darkness at all. He'll show you the way to walk. He'll show you the right path. His word is a lamp unto your feet. So if you're going to make a choice, choose life. Choose the light. You know, no one switches a, a flashlight on in direct sunlight. That would make no sense. We, we put the light on when it gets dark to dispel the darkness. And as I've always said, Revelation he gave me well, 30 years ago, light dispels darkness. Darkness doesn't push in through your windows and diminish the light. No, light weakens and diminishes the darkness. But darkness is what makes light necessary. The God of all creation, the God of eternity, knew that men would choose darkness rather than light. And yet he still sent the light of the world, his son, Yeshua HaMashiach, to shine in that darkness. And he knew that the time would come, the one that we're in now, the steep darkness I've talked about for about four years. He knew how dark it was going to get, and he showed me, which is why I have this passion and fervor to get out there and dispel it. The passion and the fervor to finish this documentary, and obviously it wasn't time, and I was ahead of the curve. His curve, not the social curve. The other thing I want to share with you that rolled through me over this week is none of us are blameless. It doesn't matter how I sit here and teach you and, and quote the scripture and share my revelation with you. None of us are blameless. We all play a part in the messes we create. I mean, let's get real. Any mess in our life, we took part in. Somehow. It's either by what we did or what we failed to do. It's either an, a, an act of commission or omission. And whether that part is la- large or small, 
is irrelevant when we're going through it. There was this joke, there used to be this joke, and I use it sometimes with the patient says, doctor, doctor, it hurts when I do this. And the doctor says, well, don't do that. Pretty simple. Stop doing the things that hurt you. Stop causing your own pain and problems. Stop listening to people that don't have the answers to your problem. They just make it worse. Stop making the choices that led you to cause your own pain and problems or to hurt others. Most of all, stop asking why if you are the who and the what. Maybe somebody listening has heard me to say this. I've had people tell me, well, I'm going to move. And when I get to this new place, everything's going to be, get better. And I've said to them, no, they're not. They say, why not? I said, because you'll be there. You'll bring your problems with you. The, problems, the problem is you. The problem's me. It's how I, what, what I choose to do, how I choose to respond, the words I choose to use. If I lash out when I'm angry for fear of rejection or whatever. If we would just listen to him, his voice, and let his spirit guide us, boy, life would be so much better. That'd be that abundant life. We're only responsible for our part of the problem. We can only control what we're in control of. And that sounds so simplistic. It sounds foolish to say, but it's true. You can only focus on what you have power over. You do you. Let the Lord do them. So I'm going to give you an assignment. This is your homework. Go to Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. And I want you to pray this out loud every day when you spend your time with him. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you. And lead me along the path of everlasting life. Will you do that for me? Will you do it for you? Do it for him? You know, I could have easily said, hey, repent. I could have thumped you over the head with that word, which just simply means change to the direction you're going in. It's not just, oh, I regret my actions. Repentance means I'm going to do a 180. I'm going to go in a completely different direction. I'm going to have a heartfelt transformation in my mind, my attitude, my intentions. And when that's genuine, it will transform my life. It'll transform me away from the person that made that bad decision. I'm also going to tell you repentance involves restitution means you have to make up for what you did. If you hurt somebody, you got to go talk to them. you got to ask for their forgiveness. Even in the Bible, the thief is told to return everything he's stolen and never steal again. 
The enemy is told if he steals from you, he must return it sevenfold. Now, the Bible calls everything I just said sin. And we can make a big deal out of that, but sin is anything that takes you out of his will and is contrary to his word. But the Holman Bible Dictionary says sin is actions by which humans rebel against God. They miss his purpose for their life and surrender to the power of evil rather than to God. Sin is universal. Psalm 51.5 says, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. But you can be born again. You can have your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You can have all those sins and those bad decisions blotted out by the blood of the Lamb. And God's not responsible for sin. Yes, he created the angel that became Satan, the adversary, but he chose to fall. Satan chose to fool himself into thinking that he deserved that seat next to God. That when all the angels were looking up at him leading worship, they were actually looking at him when in fact they were looking at God. And then he beguiled Eve with his words and his Sorcery is the power that came off of his tongue. But she made a choice. She could have said, get out of here, snake. But she listened. And then she made a choice. Adam listened and made a choice. Sin's origin is found in our rebellious nature. Ephesians 2.3 among whom we also once conducted ourselves in the lusts of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just like the others. Romans 1, starting verse 18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even as eternal power in Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Humans are inherently sinful. We are born in iniquity, but we've been given an opportunity to be set free. We've been given an opportunity to go to the one who says, Come to me, all you who labor. And are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, says the Lord, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come to me, says the Lord. That's a personal choice. You're heavy laden by the demands of false teachings and bad relationships and mistakes and, and sins. People you've hooked up with that you shouldn't have hooked up with. Well, I'm telling you, hook up to him and be free. It's a choice. It can't be forced or manipulated. I can't make it for you. We choose the path we're on. We choose the burdens we carry. We choose the directions we're going in. Whether we listen to other people or we create false expectations that fail. And they take us down like a house of cards. What I'm asking you tonight to do 
is to wipe out the mistakes, wipe it out, put it under the blood, go to him and say, from this day forward, I want to live for you. I want to find rest in you. I want your love to be the key to my life. I want your hope because, Lord, you are the better way. Now, why would you do that? Because I want you to resolve to be the person he wants you to be and have the life that he has ordained and desires for you because you deserve it. So, Lord, I come to you now as your son, as your servant. And I'm asking you to touch every heart. I'm asking you to break through the darkness and the pain and the tears and all the things your children are going through. I'm asking you to shine that light through that and show them the way home. Show them those things, those weeds that have to be pulled, those areas that have to be changed. Show them how much you love them. I know for me, Lord, I saw you on the cross. And realized I'd put you there. And you you did that for me. No one's ever going to steal that from me. No one's ever going to steal that hope. No one's ever going to steal that love. I trust you and I'm asking you to trust him. I'm asking you, Lord, to send your angels, your spirit, whatever it's going to take to change the life that right now hears this and all they see are weeds, all they see are mistakes, all they see are the things that aren't the way they should be. So peace, I speak shalom into you right now. I speak the blessings that you have eyes to see and ears to hear and you have a heart to receive. That every hooks, every prison doors, every chains are open, they're gone. You're free to choose the life that you want in him. And I pray this in Yeshua's name. And if you agree with me, just say amen. Choices have consequences. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, give you shalom. I'm Richard Grant. This has been The Porch on Firefall Talk Radio. Music